This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're gonna go out of here as the Big Eight tournament champion. 93-7 a ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakovan. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. I mean, if you can get any louder, that'd be great. You're really quiet. <laughs> All right. I will continue to try to uh, to get a little bit louder here. I'm, of course, back in uh, at my house, the Bakovan household, once again as I'm finishing off a few days here of sitting out due to the, the virus that has uh, struck my family. We're all good, though. Uh, we are uh, not having any problems anymore as far as headaches or anything like that. So kind of sitting through it like the rest of the nation. Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen to you and your loved ones out there. But uh, at least for me, I'm blessed to say that uh, no big problems have come out of it. We're just uh, just working from home. So it's kind of a weird, a weird week and the first time that I've uh, gone kind of through that. So I feel like I'm Zooming back to 2020 and uh, and working from home, but it's nice to get that opportunity. Um, I, I think that it's uh, today the, probably the biggest news is the Nebraska uh, schedule being changed. The Big Ten announced uh, plenty of, of changes happening from that COVID-stricken year of 2020. Um, kind of threw off the, the home and ways that teams were playing. I'm glad more so than anything I've said for years, and, and it started, uh, I believe, last year, is that Iowa and Wisconsin no longer are either both home and both away for Nebraska. Of course, again, like I said, it started last year, but I always thought that those were the teams that are going to compete the most in the Big Ten West. When you talk about program stability between Nebraska and, 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 and well, that was the plan, obviously. Nebraska really hasn't done that part. But Iowa and Wisconsin, those are the teams that are kind of built to, to be up there in the Big Ten West. So I thought it would be nice to get uh, that separated. And, of course, that's, that's where they are. If you haven't gotten a chance to look at it, Nebraska's schedule – not changed too much, but uh, the bye weeks moved around. Um, that, that Wisconsin game originally uh, was set to be played on the road once again, and now that has flipped. The Purdue game, um, kind of the reverse, was set to be played at home. That one has flipped as well. So uh, kind of a different setup here for Nebraska. We'll run through it. Of course, October or August 27th, uh, Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland, is the Week 0 game. Nebraska will be taking part in that again. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be just about as much um, on the line as there was last year, this time in a different country and all that. But um, the, the Illinois game certainly took a lot of wind out of the sails for Nebraska football. Nebraska football fans going into last year um, going to have to be the same type of scenario where you're going to have to beat Northwestern uh, across the pond. But I think they'll be able to 
to do that, hopefully. And and that's that, that kind of leads you to your next few games here. And, and that's kind of the, the, the read from all the schedule releases that Nebraska is going to have a chance to get on, you know, jump on top early and, and, and get some games that you would describe as winnable here. Uh, the non-conference schedule has not changed, as wouldn't be expected. September 3rd against North Dakota. September 10th against Georgia Southern. September 17th at home against Oklahoma, your big uh, non-con battle there. Then the bye week, of course, is slated in September 24th. That's a change from the original schedule. Then you have homecoming October 1st against Indiana at Rutgers October 8th at Purdue October 15th, and then the bye week October 22nd to set you up for a final five-game stretch of Illinois, Minnesota, at Michigan, Wisconsin, and at Iowa. Clearly, the schedule gets more difficult as it goes on, but you look at those, uh, what is it, the first uh, – six games there uh you could expect i mean you could hope for nebraska and, and we do this every year you start counting victories and, and you and you point out different winnable games nebraska coming off a three and nine season it's a little bit more difficult to do that but certainly there is that possibility in this in the schedule is easier by design there for nebraska and getting a little help there from the big 10 when you look overall uh like we always like to do kind of before the season at the Big Ten West race, Nebraska has one of the more favorable schedules in the Big Ten West, I would say, as well. So, Big Sky, as you look at that schedule release, did it did it do anything for you? I know you're not too much of an optimist for this upcoming season or for the Scott Frost regime altogether, um, but uh, it, at least the, some of the, the, the games look uh, winnable. Maybe you can get some momentum going in the first half of the year. Well, as I told uh, Nick Sainert on the water cooler last week, uh, when we are uh, filling in for you the day you are out, uh, I I think that it's an easier schedule than this year, just on the principle that you don't have to to face the top three teams in the Big Ten East as your crossover games, and so just given that fact, it'll be easier, and you should expect a little bit more success than three wins. Uh, obviously, the benchmark is is six to seven wins to retain the current staff. And I think that is certainly doable. And I think it's doable within the first nine games of the season to get to seven wins. So, Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I don't know. I mean, it, it everybody in, in kind of Husker land feels differently about um, what maybe should have been done, what needs to be done moving forward. Is it is are you taking a step forward simply by getting more wins or is that due to the schedule getting easier for you? Is, is that enough? So I think you're right. I think that it has to be um, a lot of kind of people are trying to circle that seven win mark. Uh, no longer trying to just get to six and six and just get to a bowl game. Although I think that that might be just enough, in my opinion. I think that the idea is to, of course, try to move the goalposts, try to eventually, you know, you're going into year five try to aim for above 500 because that's what Nebraska's been doing for years. I got to say, coming off of three and nine, I don't know if that's that's the time to move the goalposts forward, especially losing a lot from your, your big kind of super senior class. Um, a couple guys leaving early as well. It's a brand new team. So I, I I'll continue to say, I think that, that they were close last year, but Close doesn't really help you moving forward when you lose a lot of those players. Um, and obviously, close doesn't get you anything in the win column either. So, it, I mean, it, it wasn't all that helpful to begin with. But I don't know if this current team 
is is close, or the team that they're rebuilding now is as close as last year's team. I wouldn't expect it to be. Um, but the, the schedule did play a big factor in what Nebraska dealt with last year. Um, I think – uh, at least you you would hope so. Obviously, they, they played a lot of those difficult games, the Ohio States, um, the Michigans, the Michigan States, the Oklahomas, of course, um, and then the, the Big Ten West. You kind of run through that. But um, they also lost a lot of those games that wouldn't have counted toward the, you know, the daunting schedule that was there. So that was part of the problem. Um, but in any case, uh, you look at that schedule, especially the crossovers at Michigan, at Rutgers, and Indiana, that's pretty favorable. Michigan, the, the best team in the Big Ten East, Last year, obviously, winning that division, winning the conference overall, um, but you have to expect them to take a little bit of a step back, uh, at least from being the playoff contender that they were this year. You look at the early preseason top 25s, you got you know, you you would figure that they would drop back just because of some of the losses that they have there. Going moving on to the pros, Aiden Hutchinson, of course, um, David Ajabo. I mean, some of those guys are just moving on, and and they made them what they were this year. Um, so that game is not as terribly daunting as you look at the, you know, kind of the early top 25 projections have the Ohio States and the Michigan States of the world ahead of Michigan right now. So, um, and you never know how to play out. Of course, that can change. Michigan State, I think, uh, especially with losing Kenneth Walker, they did get that bull win against Pitt. So maybe that helped a lot of people feel better about them. But their secondary was a a problem all year. And it was very much exposed against Ohio State. Um, So Nebraska misses them, but I'm not sure if they're actually the second best team in the Big Ten East. But in any case, you look at some of the other schedules, uh, as, uh, as almost everybody was kind of impacted, affected by uh, the schedule change. Not much, slight tweaks to everybody's schedules. Um, you look at some of the other contenders in the Big Ten West. I mean, Wisconsin, it, they've got it tough. At Ohio State and at Michigan State are two of their crossovers. Uh, and then they close the season at Iowa, at Nebraska, and against Minnesota. So Wisconsin, who might is, – is kind of just the favorite by default every year. And, of course, Braylon Allen returning. I mean, they've got some reasons to be pretty good. That defense uh, you expect to be good every year. That's a difficult schedule. Iowa finally has to play some crossovers that are difficult against Michigan and at Ohio State. In the same year, Iowa has been able to avoid that seemingly since the beginning of, the, of, the, of Nebraska joining the Big Ten. I mean, I don't know how. But Iowa's been kind of rubbing the right elbows there in, in the Big Ten West um, because – or in the Big Ten meetings, I should say, um, because they haven't had to face too difficult of a schedule. And that showed up last year too. That's probably one that, why they won the Big Ten West. Um, but in any case, they've got a difficult schedule. Minnesota has at Michigan State, at Penn State, and then, by the way, in the Big Ten West, at Wisconsin and, and at Nebraska. Um, so that's going to be a bit daunting for them. Purdue probably has the best schedule – um, maybe along there with Nebraska, if you consider Nebraska a contender. Purdue, of course, uh, is going to lose a few of their guys, George Karloftis and David Bell, likely first-round draft picks. Aiden O'Connell, though, the, the All-Big Ten quarterback, will be returning for his sixth season, uh, and so that could be pretty big for them. Um, they do start with Penn State in week one, but then their crossovers from there are at Maryland and at Indiana um, and then, obviously, they, they do play the Big Ten West. You'll, you have to play a few away games there at Minnesota and at, and at Wisconsin will be part of their schedule. But as you look, as you break down some of the schedules, I think sometimes we get too much into it, um, especially if you're breaking down most divisions. Um, but in the Big Ten West, I think it plays a big factor. All these teams kind of grouped together by the end of last season. Um, if you look at the final polls, Iowa was 22nd. 
Purdue, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, all in others receiving votes, about 26th, 27th, 28th, you know, all lumped right there. And, of course, Nebraska not not there with their 3-9 and nine record, but played close games with all of them. Um, I, I think the Big Ten West scheduling is a big deal. So, um, you know, sometimes we, we overlook that and, and overanalyze it in the offseason, and we certainly will. Um, but just based on the schedules, I think um, just looking at schedules, I think Nebraska and Purdue are set pretty pretty good there. Um, I'd like to circle back to something you said about three and a half minutes ago, and that was kind of disrespecting Michigan, uh, saying that they're going to uh, take a step back from a college football playoff uh, a berth this year. And I think that's somewhat of a uh, a odd way to look at it when they're bringing in the ninth-ranked recruiting class and in the last three years have gone uh, 13, 10, and 8. Uh, to uh, in- so, so the roster that they're building is a talented roster, and I think it would be – uh, a little bit foolish for Nebraska fans to think that it's going to be such a step back that they are not still very close to the team they were this year. I think the biggest loss that could potentially happen to Michigan is Jim Harbaugh going to the uh, the NFL. And even then, they have a guy in Josh Gaddis at, as their offensive coordinator who is still there and completely transformed that team and made them into the college football playoff contender that they are this year. He's still there. Uh, and so I, I, I think it's going to be a tough game regardless of of what departures they have, both personnel and uh, coaching-wise, so I, 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 I don't want to I don't want to give uh, Nebraska fans uh, artificial hope. I don't want to I don't want to be selling fake Kool Aid out here with with the <laughs> with the with the way Michigan's performed and the talent they already have in house. Well, we know. I mean, we, we everybody saw Michigan up close. Of course, that one at Memorial Stadium. Next year, you have to go to Ann Arbor, um, but only losing by three. I don't think Husker fans are going to be overwhelmed by the recruiting classes or anything that you can say there. Of course, by the end of the year, Michigan was probably playing better ball than they were to begin the year, but I mean, it's, it's hard to say that. I mean, they were going undefeated, especially through that Nebraska run. Um, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that they've been solid. I'm not trying to sell Michigan out here. I'm just saying if you look at the Big Ten West, it's always tough. Uh, and Michigan did come out of it finally beating Ohio State, but I don't think that they surplant Ohio State just because of that victory as the preseason favorite going into next year, especially considering the personnel that Ohio State does bring back uh, with the likes of Jackson Smith and Jigba and, of course, C.J. Stroud. And then, obviously, if you want to compare recruiting classes, I'm sure Ohio State Buckeyes fans would be happy to do that with Michigan as well. The one that I would agree with you is is that when, once you start getting down to the Big Ten East scale there is that Michigan State is seen as a preseason top ten team. I just would need to see more out of their defense to believe in that with Kenneth Walker leaving. I, I mean, I think that they're they're a solid team. I like that the fact that they signed the huge huge extension, kept their head coach in town. Uh, he was very much, uh, you know, on, you know, one of the top names for some of these top jobs. But uh, I don't know if it necessarily translates right away next year. And the Kenneth Walker thing is is absolutely fascinating to me because I think that people have have you know going through this portal and this this offseason the whole idea is we've got to find the next Kenneth Walker. I can't wait to see this portal play out because I don't know if more years than not there's going to be a Kenneth Walker, a player at that position that is the best in his country, the best in the country by season's end that is grabbed out of the portal. I, I, I think that there will be great. There always will be someone who is the best addition out of the portal. I just don't know if that's first-team All-American status at, at running back or that sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, you have Caleb Williams. You have, uh, you know, pass rushers even today leaving TCU. We're all big all big 12. You have high-profile guy, profile guys leaving, even higher-profile than Kenneth Walker was leaving Wake Forest. 
Um, but I just I'm not sure there's always going to be a Kenneth Walker in, in the transfer portal. Well, I, I think Michigan State thinks they already got their replacement in Jalen Berger, the former four-star out of high school transfer from Wisconsin to uh, Michigan State. So I think I think Michigan State's feeling good about themselves. And Berger is a guy that maybe didn't show Jonathan Taylor ability at Wisconsin, but he showed the ability to be a, a Big Ten running back at Wisconsin. It's just you had a guy like Braylon Allen who came out of nowhere from the linebacker position who turned into turned out to be a, a highly skilled running back himself, and so he kind of forces forced Berger out uh, up in Madison. So I, I I don't think Michigan State's going to take a huge step back either. But I'm glad that you mentioned how difficult it is to win against any team in the Big Ten because it's such a deep conference uh, and and a high a high quality conference more so than the SEC. I'm glad you brought that up, Hawk. <laughs> I, I don't want to get it twisted that I'm not a Big Ten fan. I follow the Big Ten all year round. Uh, my former show with Tom and Bach, we did a Big Ten blitz. We love the Big Ten. I, I, I mean, it's harder to find a bigger fan of that. Now, I will say this. If Nebraska was offered to join the SEC, I think they should probably run that way. I mean, because the future of this sport, I think, is going to ultimately boil down to, and, and, and it's sad, it's different, it's not the way that we expected it um, or, or, or predicted or wanted it to be, but – I think it might it might come down to the, 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 the teams that more of like an NFL type of idea where there's maybe 35, 40 teams. Is that going to be in two conferences, in, in one conference? If it's one conference that takes over, I think it might be the SEC. But, when, but if it's two conferences, you have kind of an AFC, NFC type of deal going uh, down the line maybe. You know, I think the Big Ten could be that other side. They just they, – you just can't be, I guess at times, the, the – what should I say, the Eastern Conference in the NBA, right, where the Western Conference is just stacked and then the winner out of the East can go and lose to the Western Conference team. Whoa, 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 Baca. I believe, I believe my Milwaukee Bucks came out of the East last year and won the NBA Finals. So pump the brakes there on this on this, this, is a, this superiority is a complex you have going for the SEC and the Western Conference in the NBA. Oh, I definitely don't go for the Western Conference either. This is a bit of a dated reference, probably mid two thousands, going into you know kind of the Lakers run there. That's when the the West was just dominant, and the East just kind of had a team. And then of course you kind of went through that with uh, LeBron while he was there, and they could win a title here and there, which whatever East team he wanted to be on. But the West was difficult to get in the playoffs. I mean, you you sometimes had teams well above five hundred. Um, getting the eight seed where in the east you had teams below 500 filling out the six and seven and eight seed so it's a, that's not a, that's not a hot that's not a hot take but it is a bit outdated because things have, have caught up a little bit and especially with the bucks winning this last year and we can't forget the big 10 acc and uh pac 12 alliance either the scheduling alliance yeah, that's more of a handshake deal than any money, any money being uh, pa- passed around. So I'm not sure uh, how that turns out. But it, it is something that that's what I'm talking about in the long run is the Big Ten. I mean, the SEC, obviously, we're all kind of waiting for the, the world post-Oklahoma, Texas joining the SEC. What's it going to look like moving forward? Are we going to continue with this Power Five? Or are the top teams, especially in the days of the NIL, going to start separating themselves even more? And then you kind of break it down to what, you know, what places care, what are the biggest stadiums, where's the biggest fan bases, who's, you know, who's bringing in the most money that can compete in those NIL days. I, I, I hope that college football stays the way it is, where the little guy can get the big upset, and that's that's all the fun and, and why I love, you know, the regular season and all this stuff about college football. Um, but I, I'm kind of I've 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 buried my 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 head into the idea, knowing that college football is going to change. 
and we'll see how it changes in, in the years to come. The SEC and the Big Ten are odds-on favorite the best to, to stick around and, and maybe not get eaten up by the other conferences because they have the best, um, again, TV contracts because of the, the interest in the sport in those regions, the biggest stadiums, you know, all that stuff that goes into it. Um, but, you know, I, I do I do a vision a day where the Big Ten is going to have to make a decision uh, either either sell out and join the SEC and just become the one giant league um, that is maybe inevitable in the future of college football or or compete and be on the other side um, as a as a kind of a, a crossover division or whatever, like I said, what that you have with the NFL right now. Um, and I, I, I think at that by that time, you'll have to at least I mean, you have to win some of these battles. You can't watch Notre Dame go to the SEC or some of these teams, um, you know, that, that we're kind of waiting to see the next um, big movement in, in realignment. And, and hopefully for all our sake, that won't be for a while. But uh, for many people, they, they'd love to see college football kind of get shaken up a little bit more. It seems like every season's going to be a little bit different than the last. Uh, but we will uh, we'll take a break. We are on the ticket water cooler here on On the Block with Strick and Bach. Eric Strickland, of course, the uh, longtime NBA vet, Husker Hall of Famer, will be joining us at the top of the hour. Uh, we also have Mitch Sherman set to join us at 425 of The Athletic. And Andy Markowski uh, will join us around 525. So we have a, a full show today. Uh, but when we come back, we'll talk a little bit uh, about uh, some movement that kind of speaking about movement around in the NCAA and Texas moving on to the SEC. The, the Texas-Nebraska ties have been weird the last couple of days. Of course, Casey Thompson joining Nebraska over as a quarterback uh, of the football team. And now Jordan Larson, who, I mean, we've talked about before building a statue for Jordan Larson, former Olympian and Nebraska volleyball great, now joining Texas uh, to take an assistant coaching job there. We'll, we'll break that down and kind of get your thoughts on if you can cheer for the horns or if it's always going to be uh, Longhorns down here in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll talk about that next year on On the Block on 93.7 The Ticket. 